0: Good morning y'all good afternoon good evening and good night this is your host once again mr brandon wade and guess what you can still call me b2 you can call me b square. you can still call me whatever you want to call me the rule still stands as long as it's nice welcome back to pay it forward y'all this is not the way that I imagined actually entering the show again. I had a entirely different episode plan because I've done some really cool things. There's been some really cool advancements in my life. Um, there are so many cool things that have happened um, on several. I'm on pretty much all of the streaming sites now. And I am also streaming on an entirely different radio station, the Edom Rocks radio station. So uh, you guys can check this out. But this episode is different. And um, I guess I'll just start with being real. You know, Um, I like radio hosting. You know, I like being able to kind of mix in myself in kind of like with a little pizzazz, a little persona, and you know, be upbeat about things, and just radio hosting feels good podcast recording feels great. I love it um but man, this last week has been very, very um emotionally challenging for me, and um it's been hard to pay attention to a lot of this stuff um I guess I'll start with this one. I did not feel like I was going to be doing this one. Um, It's like 1.30 in the morning over here where I'm recording this. And it's cool because I've got unlimited access so now I can record pretty much whenever I want, whenever there's a topic that strikes me and I feel like, you know, it's something that I should talk about. I can kind of record this. So, um, Y'all know about what happened with George Floyd. And the thing is, is that he was a shell, He was. He was the straw that broke the camel's back in. God knows how many murders have been in this space and time, and you know I was one of the types to be like, man, look, my show. I don't want to make my show always about you know the journeys of others, but the or the but make it a moral about the journey that I'm experiencing. But this one, um, God, I cannot ignore this. And I even had to pull myself away from social media for a couple of days because everyone was everywhere I looked on my explore page on Instagram, on Facebook. All I'm seeing is um, white people feeling guilty about the fact that their other white people are going crazy. More stories about white women harassing black men. And then the story of George Floyd, where this man is just kneeling on this man's neck. God, I can't say how tired I am of seeing this. Man, we have seen so much as black folk. I was one of the fortunate ones that didn't have to experience a lot of direct racism in my life. Um, I did encounter some at different points, but I didn't have to experience a lot of direct uh racism. A lot of the stuff that I did experience was mostly indirect or you know, whatever. But I, I grew up with the stigma of just being like, Man, you know, you always gotta keep your eyes out a little bit just because of this color of my skin. And man, you you don't have done nothing to nobody. And you know, twenty twenty has had enough stuff go on in its life. You know, in this 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 span of time. And granted In most cases, my 2020 has been great, but this I could not even, I couldn't ignore. I find myself wondering, what am I even going to say on this one? You know, I'm talking about me. You feel me? It's all good. You know, I, I can talk about me for hours, but what do I say to this? You know, I would always try to. Do things in my head and try to rationalize and say, oh, well, you know, it's not all that serious. It's not all that bad, you know. It's just, you know, you just stay out the way and do what you got to do. You know, everything will be fine. And, man, they stood on that man's neck. And they let that man die. And you know what? What's wild is that this is not the first time this has happened. Not by a long shot. There were several of these taking place in one month. And even with the advancement of cameras, even with the advancement of, of recording equipment, of media, still, these people feel emboldened. They feel we cannot, will not experience consequence. And as a human being, it feels very, very draining. And I pulled myself away from social media for a couple of days and I immediately felt better. You know, I stopped watching the news and everything like that. And honestly, it was right around the right time because as soon as I started watching, stopped watching the news, that's when all the riots started popping off and everything like that. Man, it was messing with my sleep patterns. I wasn't able to sleep. I wasn't able to function. I was just just not able to feeling like I wasn't able to do anything because of things that happened with other people. And at a fundamental level, I am a black man. This will always feel different for me. And I didn't want to be the person to record this and say, Hey, you know, this is a perspective that I have this is a different outlook that I have because I do have a different outlook and I guess I'll get into it as we go into this. And I was just thinking, man, this was not the way I wanted to reintroduce pay it forward, but I feel like it's necessary. Yeah, there are plenty of people talking about it. And that was one of the things that I was going to be careful about discussing because I was just like, well, do I just want to be another black person talking about black people having problems or whatever's going on? And Thinking about it, I said, well, who am I to say that my particular voice is not going to bring a particularly different perspective on something that we are all aware of? I like to think that slavery and codependency run hand in hand. I like to think that a codependent bond was formed between the white male and the blackmail that was not forged by the blackmail. And it became a bond where both sides get at their identity from either the oppression or being oppressed. And I found myself asking this question not when will it change, but dang it, what will we do when it does change? Because the one thing that is inevitable in this world is that things do change. Even if it's been going for 400 years, for 500 years, it is not an eventuality, but an inevitability that it will change. And I remember asking my mom, what what are we going to do when we are no longer the oppressed? What are we going to do? Because we have gained so much of our identity now from being oppressed. We've had 400 years to gain it. We've had 400 years of seeing our people beat up, kicked around in the streets by people with a different skin color for no other reason than that we have a different skin color. We have been oppressed for 400 years. So what will we do when we are no longer oppressed? And if I asked any of my homies that any of the bros, they say, nigga, ain't going to be no different. We gonna always be this way. Because it's always been this way. But there is a change that is taking place. Just as clearly as I know that 12 o'clock will turn into 1 o'clock, I can feel there is a change that is taking place. On a visceral level, almost on a genetic level, there is a change taking place. And when there is change, there is discomfort. And I'm not talking about the killing of George Floyd as a way of talking about discomfort. I'm talking about discomfort as in riots happening in the streets. Discomfort as in people not being able to do what they casually were able to do. Discomfort. Y'all know how many people have been killed that are black that were on the news in this past month? And the language that was used. Oh, there was a possible fatal murder while this man is being literally having his neck stand stood on. People are getting people were getting harmed in their houses. And they say, well, you know, you just 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 follow what the police say. And it wasn't good enough in the 50s. And it's just now becoming acceptable now. It wasn't good enough in the 60s. And I can remember talking to my dad a lot before he passed. And he said, man, don't you know that back when, when I was coming up, man, you couldn't, you couldn't even cross in the Beverly Hills without somebody coming after you, you know, wondering what you doing here and deciding they were going to put you in jail just because you was, you was a skin color. He said, that was in the 60s. That wasn't not, that wasn't not but 40 or 50 years ago. He lived in that time. So did my mom. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's normal. That was normal and i I think what differences that are happening now, and, and and we have such a numbness to this these these things that are happening now, because we've seen it for so long. It bothers me to say that the president that we have now has got to be the least racist president that we have had. Do I like what he says? But he is the least racist president we've had and the most honest president we have had is black people. He at least has his personal beliefs against every person equally. But we have been hated by Democrat and Republican alike. And I'm not even a fan of of being political because I'm more of a person that likes dealing with things on a personal level, one by one, step by step. But this issue is not just me. It's bigger than me. We are dealing with something. And when change happens, it is uncomfortable. 2020 has been extremely uncomfortable for the majority of us. Everyone has had an opportunity to look at things differently. Every person. And it caused me to think about this in a way that was more like the devil's advocate, as you'd say. What will we do as a people when we are no longer oppressed? We say it will never happen for us, but it happened for the Jewish people. There was a day they were no longer oppressed. There was a day that they did not suffer anymore. And I asked the same question to my people. What are we going to do when that day comes? Because Sam Cook said it was going to come. He said, man, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to be, but I know it's going to come. Malcolm X said we had to take it. And I'm wondering, and I've wondered as a person, what was it going to take? But even beyond that. What are we going to do when that is no longer something that we can claim in our identity is oppressed? There was a time period in our lives before that point that we were not oppressed. But there has been a codependent bond between the oppressor white male and the oppressed black people. Where the where the oppressor gains an identity from being oppressive and the oppressed gains identity from being oppressed. There's something deeper than just oppressor and oppressed. There is an actual sense of identity that is being taking place when we see oppressor and oppressed. So what do we do as a people when the oppression stops? What do we do if and when reparations come? and the playing field is equal, what do we do? I feel like if I talk to some of my homies out there, they would say, bro, we just succeed like we always been. And I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're still going to be looking for it because of how long it has been since we have seen change. That's what I feel most scared of. It's not that we can rise above it because we've been rising above it. That's all we know how to do is rise above it. And that's what scares me is what happens when ain't nothing left to rise above? What are we going to do when we have overcome and we have made it to the promised land that MLK said that we were going to make it to? What happens then? What do we do? What do we become? So this is almost half a, a cry out as a black man and half a letter of encouragement to my people. Because we all in this. If you got skin color like me, it don't matter whether you black. It don't matter whether you Dominican. It don't matter what your skin tone. It don't matter what it is. If you got the skin tone that I got. They ain't care. Because they don't care. If you can pass for white, they don't care. If you can pass for black, they don't care. What are we going to do? And I have an idea of what we can do. We can take it one step at a time. We can reach out to those who are looking to be reached out to. And we can support from a distance those who are not interested in being reached out to. Because there is, and I feel that there are some people that may be so hurt and so deeply wounded by the things that happen that they may have no interest or not even see a reason to live a life that has more quality to it. But we can still help. And that comes one step at a time. I'm blessed in my life to have several friends of different races. And I've had a lot of support from these people and One of them specifically, he asked me, you know, I don't know what I do. You know, I I, I see what goes on with you guys and I really want to help. And I don't know what I help. And I just, we need to talk about this. What is it that I, I can do? What do we do? And I said, the first thing you can do is what you're doing with me. And he's been providing a lot of personal services and things like that in my behalf. A lot of coaching. I said, the first thing you do is what you're doing with me. You find somebody that's looking for help. You find somebody like me, a person of color that's looking for help, and you help them. And you pay it forward into their life. God explained to me what pay it forward really meant. And I didn't understand it first. Because I just thought pay it forward was kind of a gimmick. It started as a gimmick. It just started as something that I just figured what could I do if I talked about something cool for an hour? What could I do? What would be cool to talk about if I could just talk about something for an hour? And I said, okay, you know, I'll talk about positivity. It was just a gimmick to see if I could stretch radio time for an hour. And it became something bigger than I thought it was. But I I almost got to the point where I said, well, you know, even with this transition and everything that's going on, I say, okay, do I want to keep pay it forward as my name? Do I want to, you know, go and, and maybe make it a different name or something like that? And I had some good advice given to me by a few different people. And they said, no, you should really keep this. And I thought about it and it was revealed to me and God revealed to me that pay it forward, especially if you look in the Bible, was the ministry of Jesus. If you believe whether you believe or not, and I'm coming to you right now saying I don't judge or care what your belief system is, that is not the point of this statement. That's not the point of this conversation. And I will not ever judge somebody for their personal belief system because everybody has a belief system. This just happens to be mine. But it was revealed to me that if you are a believer in the Bible, you are a believer that what Jesus did, we would never be able to pay him back for and so it was revealed to me, that's what, that's why you don't pay people back. You pay it forward. You pay it forward. Have you ever experienced being in a line, not being sure whether you'd have enough money to buy food? And then you get to the corner and you get up to the the, the, the register and somebody says, no, nah, don't worry about it. Somebody already paid for your food. You're never going to be able to pay them back. You might not even see them again. And they leave a message for you and they say, all I'm asking is that you pay it forward. They do it anonymously. I've had my food paid for randomly and anonymously by some people in different places. Sometimes where I was at school and I really didn't have, wasn't sure how I was going to pay for something. And then somebody had just paid for it for me. It's similar to that on a small scale, on a large scale. There are people that do things for us in our lives that we will never be able to pay back. So what do we do? We take the blessing that we were given. And we pay it forward to somebody else. And so when my friend asked me, how do I help? I said, you're already helping. Because you're looking at somebody right across from you on Skype. You're looking at somebody right across from you that's asking for help. And you're offering your help. You are empowering me. And by empowering me, I can empower others. And they can empower others. It is one step at a time that we will overcome the taint of codependency, of shame, and of oppression that didn't start with us. See, I'm not unfamiliar with oppression. My dad was not a physical abuser, but he was definitely a mental and emotional one. I was abused a lot mentally and emotionally, and my boundaries were violated a lot, and you say, well, that wasn't, yes, it was, yes, it was. So I'm not I'm not unfamiliar with what oppression feels like, and oftentimes on both sides there's no comfort. The only difference on the oppressor side is that there's power. So those people that seem like they have gotten away with things they're not they're not happy either, and that's the that's the that's the downside of experiencing codependency is that neither side is happy. Because both because both sides. Take identity from the other ones instead of in themselves. I think that oppression has gone on so long that a lot of men and white men and women have taken their identity from the ability to oppress black people. So what will they do when their identity is not there? What do they do? There have been some people in life that I've seen some interviews and things that I've seen Where people have talked to racists and they say, well, what motivated you to do this? And they said, I didn't have anything else. My life was horrible. You know, I was getting beat at home. I was getting, I was suffering at home. But the one thing that I had to my name, the one thing that I had was that I was better than that black man over there. That's the one thing I had. Some people take their entire identities Around oppression. And that's why it runs as deep as it does. Because it's deeper than just a skin issue. It is an identity issue. And we need help. Both the oppressor and the oppressed need help. And having spoken and been on that side of the equation. The side of not knowing who was going to cause this next As I realized over time, even with my dad and his, the things he did that was oppressive. I realized that my dad was hurting too, that he was having issues sleeping and things like that because of the things that he had been saying and doing the frustrations that he had. I've been that oppressed person. This is a trigger warning. So I'll just warn you about this, but I had, um, an abusive kindergarten teacher and I can actually remember that as a child, she, um, she hung a girl. By her backpack on a coat hanger. And she left her there for like 10 minutes, and that girl was just crying. And I remember finding out later on about the teacher that the teacher had a daughter, and her daughter was being abused. So, and oftentimes, both the abuser and the abused are both suffering. They're both gaining a sense of identity from abuse. So, this issue runs deeper than. A black man getting kneeled on. But dang it if it doesn't hurt. Every time I see that image. Dang it if I don't feel that. Fear that comes over me thinking. Oh my god. It probably won't be me. I'm certain it won't be me. But what if it is? And that is the fear. That black men and women live with. Every day. And that is the thing I've had more friends check up on me that were, were white than I was used to. And I didn't even realize like, why are they checking up on me? I'm fine. And I say, Oh, because they feel guilty because they feel guilty. And it's not so much that they didn't care about me, but I know what guilt and shame feels like. They say, I haven't done enough for you. I feel like I haven't done enough for you. And sometimes, The identity comes in when we say, I, am I enough? Am I enough? There are identity issues being revealed right now. The riots, the things that are going on, this is all part of a bigger picture and it is going to create healing and it might feel uncomfortable for a while, for a little while, but it is going to create healing. But speaking as somebody that has seen these different things and has seen what it is has seen. It will never, it'll never feel the same to a white person to look at the news and see a pressing because they know that to the degree that it has happened to us, it will never happen to them because there is an identity that come, that has come in. Codependency runs deep and they explain a little bit about codependency in its rare, in its rawest form. It is you, If can you, if let me explain it, codependency in its rawest form is I need you to X so that I can Y, meaning that my identity is based upon what you do and your identity is based upon what I do. So it can go between oppressor and oppressed, abuser and abused. Abuser does not feel power because, or, or, or value because abused is not being reactive. So abuser abuses more. It can go between oppressor and oppressed and abused might not feel identified if abuser is not abusing. So it goes both ways. The most painful thing that I found out about this time during self-healing and doing my own healing work is that even if someone has caused oppression and pain, we are ultimately still responsible and accountable for our own healing, even if somebody else has started the problem. And the problem was started 400 years ago and passed down from person to person to person to person to person to generation to generation to generation to generation to to innocent innocent generation to innocent generation to innocent generation. And to the point that it seems like and it feels like the abusers and the abused both take identity from that. It's almost like something that we like to check off sometimes. You know. I am this race and I am X and I am this race and I am Y. See, as a people, we are powerful as black people. And I've come to understand that we are powerful and we are overcomers. We have always overcome. There has not been a challenge that has been set before us that we have never overcome. We thought that there would never be a black president, but there was. There's never been a challenge we've not overcome. But what happens when overcoming becomes your identity? I was even talking to my therapist and my therapist is a black man. And it was important for me to have a black therapist because I said, as much as I know that there are many competent white therapists or therapists of other races, I wanted my therapist to be a black man because he would understand things on a fundamental level that I wouldn't have to explain to another therapist. And he even told me where I was speaking to him about my life. He said, black people, he said, man, you know how it is. We know how to hustle. He said, we know how to survive. He said, but we were never taught how to live. And that's 100. We were not taught that. Because we didn't have that option. And I'll admit, I love being black. (laughs) I love being black. But there have been plenty of times I've been jealous of being white. I used to think if there was anything that I would do, I'd want to see what it was like to be a white man in the 40s and 50s. Like, they probably lived it up. Like, you know, I I, so I wonder what that was like, you know, to not, to be able to choose X, Y, and Z. And I don't want to get on this too far, but I can imagine that what, um... And to an extent, because for, I will say this, what we've been experiencing has been going on probably a bit longer than this. But I would say that what men, what what we experience as black people is what women often experience for men in feeling threatened. There are things that I can do as a man that cannot be done as a woman. You know, a woman can, has to always watch her back if she goes out drinking or something like that. And these things do happen to men, but but a whole lot less. Man can go out drinking by himself, get in a cab, be stone drunk, and come back home and be fine. So just like I say that white privilege exists, male privilege also exists. But I'm not going to get on that because we're not talking about um just the just privilege in general. We've had enough of whenever we speak about Black people, somebody says all lives matter. No, no, no. Please stop telling us that. That's gaslighting. And I understand why we do that. I understand why people do that. Because when you trample upon deep generational wounds, people will do oftentimes a lot to defend them. And sometimes the biggest wound that we try to defend is the idea that we are good people. I remember asking God years ago, the question that I think every Christian or believer asks God, God, why do bad things happen to good people? The answer that was revealed to me, some people say, oh, it's because we live in a broken world or whatever. Nah, that's something that some Christians say. If you've ever been to a church, you say, oh, it's because we live in a broken world whether that's your belief system or not, some Christians say that, but I'll say this. I honestly am of the belief that there are no good people. We're all people that experience highs and lows, ebbs and flows, good and bad, but that inherently there are no good people. There are no pure people that are just pure. There are people that can do some things with pure motives. That doesn't make us pure. That just means that we do some things that are pure. Everybody has a shadow. Everybody has something that they've been running from and trying to escape. Everybody does. So we all have a responsibility and accountability to find our way. And to do the things that we need to do to better the quality of life for ourselves. Because when we do that, we also affect the quality of life of those around us. And I can legit say we are so tired of hearing, you know, black lives don't, you know, basically, you know, why, you know, all lives matter or, you know, this is about women too. And no, this isn't about women because that wasn't a woman that got killed. Not this time. But you know what? Black women get killed too. Get shot in their own house. And sometimes I felt like, dang, I had to comfort some of my friends that were white because they were feeling anxious about the fact that things were happening. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to address the way that this trauma has been affecting me. Had Did I have to comfort them? I don't think I did but maybe I should address the way this trauma has affected me. The signs of feeling sleepless. Um, not feeling as free to do certain things. Looking around and wondering this and that and needing to pull away so I could get God's perspective on what's happening. And what I do know is that a profound change is taking place. One that is going to be permanent. One that is going to, really and truly and genuinely affect this world in a positive way. But these things need to come up. There's outrage happening now, but this is outrage that has been going on for years. Yes, people are recording it now, but the reason that some of these people have acted the way they did on camera is because they've gotten away with it before. There are ingrained belief systems that have happened for a long time. And this is our work. This is our work to do what's necessary to work through the trauma for our own families, for ourselves, so that we can bring a better quality of life to those around us. And we maybe can influence those that we once called enemy. There's anything that I learned in the time that I've read the Bible is that God said he wants everybody. He won all of us. And so he do things to try to get our attention. And. You know, I'm not going to claim that I really know or anything like that, but sometimes it's necessary to have stuff like this happen in order to get the attention of the world. And, 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 and man, look, bro, I I can't tell y'all how many times I've seen, on the news. Oh, another black person got killed by a police officer. Oh, guess the police on they They gone they arrested the police officer. Oh, they didn't arrest him. They didn't care. Okay. Again, we saw it again, man. There's been at least 50 or 60 before this point, this has been building up for a while. And so I, as a human being, as a man with black skin, In my senses, in the natural body that I inhabit, do feel the primal sense of fear of what will happen next. But there is a part of me that's separate from that. That says not only is this beneficial, but this is necessary. (sighs) But it does make me feel so angry. It really does. Helpless. Useless. Sometimes alone. And the only difference in my perspective is that there is hope and it is not a religious hope. It's not a let's all pray and sing kumbaya and sing all the songs that cheered us up in the past. And that everything will just one day be better. It is an actual progressive hope. An understanding that these things are oftentimes not external, but internal. It is a, a progressive hope for change. It is something greater than I thought that it would be. And I can see that in many ways it's just getting started. So I guess this is. Part encouragement, part raw, part love letter to my black folk. And I ain't going to tell y'all what everybody tell y'all. Cause they always tell us the same thing. Hey bro, keep your head up. Times get better. Nah, 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 no. nah. we get enough of that. Oh, well, you know, that was just one instance, you know, sometimes just got to shake it off and just, you know, be kind to the enemies. Nah, there's a value in the breaking of faith. There's a value in realizing that you have experienced people in your life that have fundamentally failed you. There's a value in that. So now this ain't a message to say, yeah, man, you know, it's all good. That it's going to get better. It's a message to say that you Are not. What they said you are. You are loved. You are. Valued. You are respected. And black man and black woman. You are enough. So. Let's do something. That we can do. And try to be. Not even try to be, look to the positive side. But let's think beyond or let's do what we can to, you know what? I was going to say, let's think beyond, but let's not do that right now. We don't need to think beyond. We don't need to repress right now. We've done plenty of repressing. We've done plenty of anger and shame and sadness repressing. We've done plenty of that. We're doing that on the plantations. We're doing that through race, we're doing that through colorism and racism and we're doing it and we don't need to be doing it anymore right now, right now as a collective people, we need to feel because as we feel we will gain our center. And as we gain our center, we will gain our power. And as we regain our power, we realize we never lost it. Our desire has never been to be oppressors. People that, that That dominate others. It's not our desire. Our desire is simply to live a happy, quality, and healthy life. And we will have that. Black man and black woman. We will have that. So no, I'm not going to tell you, hold on a little bit longer. No, 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 no. We don't have to look outwards for a solution. We are the solution. We will never be able to control the deep codependency that the white male a white oppressive male or white oppressive female has towards us but we can change our own sense of identity so we must prepare even in our time of experience we must prepare for a time in which we will no longer be able to look at ourselves and see that identity in us that we will be able to recognize that it is part of our history but is not part of our present there will become a time, a time. Something like Sam Cook talked about where he said it's been a long time coming. But I know change is going to come. I think change is closer than we think it is. But just like it says everywhere, a wise man or woman prepares. So just as we decide as a collective race to feel, I think we should also decide as a people to prepare, prepare for the change that we actually want to see and then do the steps that we need to do to enact that change. We need to grieve as a people. We need to grieve. We need to grieve the things that happened in our families and that's not going to be an easy process. I've been dealing with a lot of grief work and pain work myself and it's not an easy process but it is a fulfilling one. So as a people, there are going to be some resources and I'm going to pay them forward. I'm going to link some things in the description um, of my podcast and I will shout out a few resources um, for our people. There are some pages that I typically subscribe to and you can look, them up on pay it forward, pay it forward radio. So at pay it forward radio, um, the dot holistic dot psychologist is a good page. Um, she talks about generational stuff. Um, there, um, Nidra Tawabi, um, N E D R A T A W W A B. She is a fantastic resource. Um, the nap ministry is a really good resource. Um, there are a couple of books and things like that, that if you are interested, um, DM me. And especially if we share the same skin color, I got you. Just look me up. Just look me up. You know, I'll send you the links and everything like that. So I'm gonna do my part one step at a time. We are going to do not what we always do, but we're going to do differently this time. And we're going to help and do our part to usher forth the change that is very shortly to come. So y'all, this has been my first pay it forward for this season. And we'll see where we go from there. But just remember, just because it's been a long time coming, don't mean the change is far away this time. This time it's going to be different, y'all.
1: But he winds up